interesting uh, court decision uh, last Friday that uh, we haven't talked about. I don't think anybody's really talked about it. It didn't actually occur here in Vancouver or in British Columbia. It actually occurred in the Ontario Superior Court of Justice. And some people are saying it's precedent setting. Uh, What basically the decision decision that came down basically said that it's unconstitutional for municipalities uh, to clear homeless encampments from public property if there are not enough accessible beds in the shelter system to house the homeless population. So it violates their rights. Now, the case involved the municipality of Waterloo in Ontario and regards to an encampment there they wanted to get rid of. The decision, however, builds on earlier decisions from British Columbia. And it, they could have, obviously, implications on municipalities in uh, in Ontario and potentially BC uh, as well. We're going to check in with uh, John Green, who's a lawyer at John Michael Green Law Corporation. Uh, we wanted to chat with him about this decision in Ontario and what it means potentially here in British Columbia. John, thank you for joining us. So walk me through, is this precedent setting for British Columbia as well? Nope. Uh, British Columbia already had had done, kind of gone to the extent that the judge in Ontario had gone to. So this, the judge in Ontario actually looked to the British Columbia Court of Appeal and what they had done in a decision called Adams, I think back in about 2009, mm-hmm. uh, which was followed by our Chief Justice in a more recent decision called Stewart. And, and basically those decisions stand for well, the fact, or many stand for the law, that if the cities don't have uh, beds for the number of homeless people uh, in the city at that given time, then those people are permitted to stay in uh, public spaces. Uh, I often get calls on this show uh, and other talk shows uh, from folks who are quite angry sometimes when they see these uh, homeless encampments, tent cities, that said, look, why aren't police moving in? Why are municipal politicians not doing anything about this? I think the last mayor, Kennedy Stewart, dealt with a lot of that as well. It Essentially, what you're telling me, it just comes down to the law. If you do not have space in shelters for these individuals, uh, there is no way that uh, you should be moving them. Yeah, I think I used to think like that too, but I, I actually think I'm kind of ignorant for thinking that way. Um, so the, the, I think the first thing when you start to look at it is, uh, and what the judge in that decision Ontario did and, and the judges in British Columbia do is they kind of look at, like, are the people in these places, like who are they and are they dangerous? And the Ontario decision kind of walks through that, like because the city, some of the evidence that they tried to lead to talk about that, it was kind of funny. So they they actually permitted cross examination of the city's person that advanced this position, and they said they counted eight people that were quote unquote suspicious persons without any definition. The judge said, and then they said that uh, they developed a risk rating system, and and the judge quoted. He said the region shows 2010 as an indicator of high risk because they thought quote 20 made good sense unquote. Uh, the judge ended and said, I find that there was little or no analysis to justify the decision. And and it was, the judge goes on like that, just to go through the data that was given to him by the city. And I think uh, he did that on the danger side. He said, basically, there's no danger to these uh, encampments uh, when you really look at it. And then the other thing he said was, let's look at the beds and let's look at the situation when a city comes to us and says, like, look, we've got 200 beds and there's 200 people inside, so this should just go away. And the judge said, okay, well, let's look at what the, these beds actually look like. And when he did the analysis and walked through all the beds that the city said they had available, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't even close to the number that the city was coming in front of the court to say they had. So I think it's probably like that a lot of the time. I, I know I used to work uh, downtown uh, at one of the uh, did the legal clinic at, at one of the under one of the shelters and stuff. And 
these are pretty restrictive places, and uh, the data on that was used by the court is about 95% of these people uh, have active, I mean, they're active opiate addictions, right? So these people run on cycles where the addiction or, or the medications wear off, the drugs wear off, they go into withdrawal, the withdrawal is just awful. Um, they have to use the medications again, but if they're having, they can't get in and out, these people are going to choose to stay out because they don't, they can't live like that. So, uh, I, th- this does tie the hands of elected officials, though, who do have to deal with the brunt of uh, public frustration. People don't want to see it. Never mind the issues which you've articulated very well. Um, and we're going to be speaking speaking to the minister of mental health and addiction uh, after the five o'clock news on on these issues, but. Uh, You've articulated it well, but people just don't want to see this stuff. They don't visually want to see it. This is not what downtowns about. I use downtown generally. It happens in the suburbs as well. The people just don't want to see see this stuff before them. How do we deal with this in an appropriate manner? I guess it's still going to come down to more money, more beds. And if we can't, these things may be much more permanent than we think. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm going to stick to the political side, away from the legal side. I, in these encampments, like I was down in Portland, they're even worse than Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle's got massive ones. I mean, they're all they're in Mission, Maple Ridge. I mean, they've come, they've sprung up everywhere. And and I think that they, if you really look at the data, they sprung up to coincide with the rise of the opioid uh, epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they sprung up in you know as property prices have just far outstripped anything that a lot of people can afford. And so. I mean, those two things put together, I think, is what causes it. And the data that the judge cited, 79% of these people, in, and I was trying to do the math, but about 79% of the people that are in these camps are white males. Like, And so there's a lot of focus. I mean, it's still bad. There's lots of women in them and everything else. But this is the, this is the I mean, it's crazy. It's the base for Pierre Paul Levier, effectively, that's in these camps. You know, these are, uh, I'd expect if they started actually asking these people how they ended up there, a lot of them would say, well, I was hurt at work. I was prescribed opioids. I became. Uh, I started using them outside of that because I, you know, I was having withdrawal symptoms even then, mm-hmm. uh, and no one gave them help. And and I th- and I have cases like that right now. Wow. So it's the base. It, I mean, it's that, that's what that, that's the people that are in these places. I mean, they're soccer coaches. Uh, you know, they're welders. These are people. I, I get the guy. The guy whose case I have in Thursday on court. Mm-hmm. He was a soccer coach. He was a welder. Uh, he hurt his back at war at work. He went and saw his doctor, and for three years was given opioids. And you know, he's that's that's who's, that's who's there. And and the problem is, I think our province has never really looked at helping any of these people uh, the way they need to. And that's to say, look, you guys actually have legal cases against a lot of these doctors. Yeah, these people don't even know, right? They can't manage their own lives, let alone uh, you know run these cases. And and they don't. The doctors don't tell them. Yeah, it is amazing. We have 3,200 treatment beds, to my understanding, in this province. We've added about 320 since 2017 when the NDP uh, were in power. And uh, we look at that number, so, you know, that's it. We we got to have, with the this opioid crisis that we're all seeing in our city and across North America, you sort of go, wait a minute, that's it? And that's not a commentary on the NDP, it's a commentary on BC Liberals as well. Like, we, we've been hit with this thing, this tsunami, the tsunami of deaths lives destroyed, and we still only have 3,200 breads. So decriminalization is one thing, but the broader issue of how people are actually ending up uh, dying or ending up in these tent cities that you and I are talking about, uh, we spend, we actually need to spend more money on a lot of this, don't we? Yeah, imagine how bad it would be if the 11,000 people that died since they declared it was a health crisis were still alive. 
Yeah. yeah. No, that's it. You're absolutely right. A full, they're basically be a full city of people. Yeah, I actually had some friends. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's impacting all of our downtowns. I mean, I have friends who uh, took their kids to a basketball game watching the Portland Trailblazers, and they're planning to spend a couple of nights there, visit the city. But the homeless population, the 10 cities were so bad, they left after one night. They said, this is crazy. This is a war zone. We're out of here. And they just left. Yeah, and and Portland changed, like, basically uh, from the point that... uh, that COVID started to the point that, you know, like we were allowed to go back down there. Like it was like night and day, yeah. like the, you know, the, and, and it, it obviously carries serious problems. Like there, there's, I mean, people that are opioid addicted, they need to get, they want to get money so that they can buy more. And, and so they break in. The, I mean, I had my car broken into twice when I lived down in the West end. I mean, I had it broken into in front of the courthouse. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that, that happens and that's, that, you know, so these things carry all kinds of problems if they're not addressed. But, you know, like if you, there are some really simple, I think, solutions to this that like just have never been addressed. Like we don't have enough psychologists in this province. We do not have enough psychiatrists in this province, like not even close. Yeah, there's a broader, well, it's a broader health challenge because our system runs at 95% pre-pandemic and now everything yeah. uh, is uh, seems to be falling apart. And that's part of the reason is the system has always been run at nearly 100% and everything yeah. else that's uh, sort of coming downstream now is because of that challenge we've had. John, thank yeah. you so much for your time, my friend. Really appreciate your, your time okay. today. You bet, Jeff. Have a good one.